0: you, our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, Mighty God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Lord Jesus. You may be seated for a few moments. We've got a couple of babies we'd like to dedicate today. Hey, Amen. If they would just come and prepare for that.
0: bring them in bring them in bring them in from the fields of sin bring
1: father life to us is still such a great mystery how it can be that a man and woman can fall in love and their dna be able to mix together and produce such a wonderful wonderful thing as a child we're so grateful our brother and sister that they desire lord jesus to be able to bring up a child in the admonition of the lord When many are brought in this day, Lord, they're raised by babysitters. They're raised by all sorts of other alternatives. Father, I pray that you would bless my brother and sister and help them, Lord, that they can be able to instill in their daughter the ways of life, the ways of truth. Lord God, they want to bring her back to you today to be able to offer her little life to you. I pray, Father, that you just take her life, keep her. What an age, Lord, to be able to raise children. Thank you for the courage that your people have to be able to accept this challenge. May you help my sister that she can be the fifth gospel that will instill in her daughter those precious things that time can never take away. We bring her little life to you today, Father, and dedicate her to you for a life of service. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And her cousin. Now you know how I feel, little man, when they laugh at me. See, he's doing it now. <laughs> Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. I feel humbled, Lord, every time that I'll take a child like this and realize that when you were here, they brought little children to you so that you might be able to just touch them and bless them. Father, we know that We've been given a responsibility as your church, as your people, to be able to take our children. Oh, Jesus, if you was here today, how happy these moms and dads would be to bring their little children to you and lay them in your arms. You're not visibly here, but yet your presence is here. So we can bring our children into your great courts. Father, we just pray that you would help them. We know that really it's more than dedicating a baby. But it's a mother and father accepting that awesome responsibility of being able to be a mirror of the grace and the mercy of God. To be able to find grace when they need it and discipline when they need it. It's such a balance, Lord. I pray that you'd help them. Help my sister to be able to reflect, dear God, what a godly mother is. My brother, a godly father. To be able to instill in their little son. Dear God, may they be able to raise him in a way that's pleasing to you. To give him things that the world will never be able to take from him. We commit his life to you today, Lord. Pray, Father, if he would be old enough to be able to accept you. May his heart be tender towards you, Lord. We dedicate his life to you. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Can we stand together? We welcome you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. What's a great privilege for us to be gathered together, in it? In the house of the Lord. Certainly thank God for His mercy to each of our hearts. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We've been speaking about reconciliation through kenosis. Kenosis being the emptying out the changing of Almighty God from something which could not be understood or comprehended to a form that would be an act of such humiliation, yet be able to relate to His people. Um, We want to look here at God making the first man this morning. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, those of you that went to school very far know that us means more than one. There's only one God. And there's only one image. Notice, let us make man in our, not images, but image. So what is it? Spirit and word. Because God ain't two, and God ain't three, and God ain't four. But here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And God said, let us, spirit and word, make man in our plural image singular what kind of God then are we serving? What kind of God are we talking about? We're talking about a God that reveals himself in three offices the same way that you revealed. After our likeness, again, not plural, likenesses. So there wasn't an old man there and then a young man called Jesus. And God said, I'll tell you what, let let us make man to look like both of us. I'll give him my eyes and and your nose, Jesus, and he can have... my ears, and he can have your hands, Jesus. God only had one image, and that was Christ. After our likeness, let them, now here we go to a real plurality, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over everything that, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Again, one image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Wow. So God made one man after the image of us. And then he made an us after the image in that one God. So here was a man that was plural too. Male and female created he them in what image? The image of God. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And still yet, just in one image. What was it? Spirit form. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that move us upon the earth. Notice this now. Whenever we come to Genesis 2:7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So the man in Genesis 1:26 was one man. Now we go to Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Well, where was that other guy? I thought God had already made man in his own image. But you see, this man is not in the image of God. He's made of the dust of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living Nehesh which is soul, animated being, became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man. Man never actually came from the dust of the Garden of Eden, but from the dust outside the garden, then he was brought into the garden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. <clears throat> i mean, like to be remembered today as we go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We are so grateful to know that the very same God who brought our earthly father, Adam, on the earth is the same one that's bringing us today back into your great paradise. Father, we pray that you would help us today as we've assembled. Lord, not just as a protractive gathering, not because we didn't have some other place we could go, we could have. We could have went here and there, but we chose to come here. We ask you, Lord, that you would meet with us as you said in your word that you would. We know your way of meeting with us can vary from service to service based upon our needs, based upon the things that each of us come today with requests and desires in our hearts. So. We're laying them before you. And we by no means would try to tell you how to do this or that or the other. So what we're asking is that you would just have your way. And if you will have your way, it will be perfect. Help me, Lord, that I can get out of the way. Lord God, may you be able to use that part of yourself that you placed in me. Shut my mouth to anything that would be displeasing to you, Lord. Open the ears and the hearts of your children Speak to us your great words. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saint said, Amen. <clears throat> Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In our minds, we can only imagine what it must have been whenever Father decided to expand his creation he had already created the universe and millions billions of stars the expanse of the universe to this day still going on and science still seeing more and more as they're able to put their instruments out farther and make better instruments but of all the things that he had made none of them was his crowning achievement like man was and yet he chose not to make man first but he chose to make man in this final stage of his creation. The angels of God must have stood around him that day as they saw the father's handiwork and they looked to see something breaking from The Logos, because we know that the creation was actually coming into view by the visible presence of God, which was Christ, the Logos. It was the preexistent stage before he became known to us as Jesus, the man. But it was God had already given birth himself to what the prophet called a son. And a son was something that came out of the invisible one. And we know that the Bible tells us that he is the invisible God, and he was the firstborn. The Lord Jesus became the firstborn then of every creature. So the invisible wanted to become visible. The intangible wanted to become tangible. That which had no molecular structure, no atoms, no time, no molecules. But he wanted to be something that could be touched. And felt and spoken to. And he wanted to be able to touch back. He wanted to be able to look at people and people to look at him. But without a change in him, that would be totally impossible. Since Jesus says in St. John 4 that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Right in this building today are many, many spirits. They are not so much inside these four walls as they are inside of another realm or another dimension. There could be thousands times thousands of angels and demons gathering around us in this little small gathering of people And yet it would be unseen to our eyes. We might feel from time to time an impulse or an influence on our being. A strange, peculiar something, whether it's righteousness or evil that would come against us and we don't see it and we cannot touch it. But yet it's it's an influence. And we know that that's the way demons work and that's the way angels work. But yet, all around us, basically what we know is light, matter, time, science. We believe by faith there is a place that the unbeliever goes when they die and that the believer goes when they die. But yet, we've never been there, so we really don't know what it's like. People have died, they say, and went there and came back and told us various things that they saw. So it is a realm that remains A mystery to us for sure. But the Lord wanted to expand himself into this realm that he was bringing everything else. If you were the eternal, you could actually become no greater than what you were. You couldn't become any wider, any taller, any more vast in your understanding or your wisdom. But the only way to really make yourself known greater would be in the act of condescension, which is very hard for us, because we think greater is bigger, smarter, more educated. So we expand our boundaries, and many times that means walking on others to do it. It doesn't matter who we hurt or none of that, just as long as we get bigger and we get greater and so on and so on, but that's not, The way that he wanted to be. So in order to become greater in expression, I can never become greater than what he already was, but reach greatness by expression through smallness. Now listen, this is more than the human mind can comprehend and process. Because, as I said, we think greater is us being bigger. And we want to make our business bigger and greater and expand and go on and on. Make more money, which revolves, involves making, you know, taking more time away from uh, many times important things in our life. But bigger, that's the way bigger and greater and expanding is. But that's not the way God thought about it. In order for the eternal to become a greater expression of himself, he had to do it through the act of condescension. So he must, by the act of creation, create something that would allow him to come into a lower form. See, already we don't like that. To become lower, to become greater? That makes no existence, makes no sense to us. But we have never existed in the realm of eternity when the eternal was everything there was. So you could not go beyond it. You could not be greater. There's no expanse greater than he himself. But he wanted to do this through the act of condescension. So he began the kenosis actually before there was ever a world that was ever visible. And that was out of the being of the eternal come, let's say it like this, was like a little white light. And that little white light began to play, as it were, around the Father's door. And it was something that was of the eternal, yet an act of condescension by creation that he expanded something. Jesus said that he came forth and proceeded from God. So he was not a little boy there in heaven he was not another man there in heaven and God was you know, thousands of years old and Jesus was about 30 something years old. No, Jesus was not a boy in heaven. He was the Logos. Amen. But remember that God had all of these attributes in his being and he wanted to express them but the way he chose to express them was not by the act of creation alone. You see, how do he went straight to the book of the Lamb's book of life and would have only brought into existence those attributes which was in the Lamb's book, then many, many millions of people that will be there through the grace version of the way he chose would have never been there had he only chose the Lamb's book of life. So God, before the foundation of the world, made two books. One would be the Lamb's Book, and the other one would be the book of life. So God's mercy is so great that it goes beyond the Jews, right? And he believes the Jews are the chosen people. They were, that's right. But and yet the grace of God even goes beyond his bride. And it goes to a group that will show up in the book of Revelation that these are they which came out of great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are they that have the ability as a mortal to choose eternal life. Now they don't have it here in this life but they have the ability to choose and their name is not blotted out of the book of life. So the grace of God went to the Lamb's book, but it also spilled over, if I can say it that way, over into the book of life. Now in the book of life, your chances of your name being removed and remaining are entirely up to you. You see, those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life are placed there before the foundation of the world. They are written indelibly by the blood of the Lord Jesus, They were called by the eternal before the world ever began. They cannot be removed a bit more than his name which was the first and the top of the book. But there are those in the book of life which can be removed and if people turn down God's word and refuse what God sends to them, then it will be removed. But those who choose to have their name remaining in the book they accept the Lord Jesus as their Savior and they walk in whatever portion of light that God gives to them, then they're able to maintain that. Now, whenever we go back then to this man that was formed in Genesis one twenty six, I want you to notice how that Moses, when he frames this, that he wants to bring God into the compound revelation of God's character when it comes to Genesis 2. In Genesis one, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the spirit of God. Now those words are in in the Hebrew ruach Elohim. Ruach Elohim. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And you know the rest of the story. But notice when we come to chapter 2, that Moses does not choose the name Ruach Elohim, but he chooses the name Lord God. Now, this is the first time that the compound redemptive name of God is chosen to be revealed, and it's revealed in the act of creation when it comes to his children. So Moses did not say, God, foreign man. He did not say the spirit of God, Ruach Elohim. Now the words are are like an eagle. So the spirit was coming upon this great thing that he made and he took his wings, this is the Hebrew meaning of that word, that he took his wings and he began to flutter over the earth. So Ruach Elohim began to flutter over the earth and bring creation into view. But whenever he went to make this man, he did not choose the attribute of Ruach, Elohim. But he chose Adonai Elohim, or Jehovah, Lord God. So it is the compound redemptive name of God that is revealed when God is expressing what? His attribute of sonship. Notice this in Genesis 2.7, and the Lord God formed. The Lord God formed. Now this is a different word than the, genesis, the word in Genesis 1.26 when the scripture said that he created him. That was by spoken word. But this is formed. It is a word that would be used as a potter that would take the elements of clay, and he would start forming and putting together in a shape or a mold. Now, in this sense, it was more of a free-handed work. It was not that he had a mold there and a shape, and he poured the pliable clay inside of that, but he took, as it were, his hands and his fingers And he started molding and forming as you and I did whenever we were children and we would take Play-Doh or clay or red mud or whatever it was that you used to play with. And you would take that and you'd start making and shaping and molding. So here the Lord God began to form this man. And I want you to notice how Moses writes this. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So he actually does not take a mattock or a shovel or something like that and go beyond the dust and then down into the topsoil and then down into the layers of the stratus of the clay. But he actually scoops up right off the top of the earth and he begins to gather together the dust. And he makes man or forms man of the dust of the ground. Now what's this word? I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but the word man actually in the Hebrew is Adam, or the English word is Adam. So the word man means Adam. Now watch what he does. So it is mankind, you can see the Hebrew word there, mankind, Adam, or the first man. So the Lord God formed Adam, or the first man, out of the dust of the ground. Now look at this word, Adamah. So here is the man, and the word Adam actually means red. So the man was actually taken from the dust of the ground. His name originates with the very place where he come from. So where was this other man of Genesis one twenty six that the Bible said, and God made them male and female? Where was this man at when this man was being formed? Now he was there in a spirit realm, Right? God had already made him. Now, the man in Genesis 1.26 is not a future unveiling that God is actually going to wait till the man of Genesis 2.7 is made and then further envelop that word. But this man was already there in existence before the man of Genesis 2.7. Now, if you look at that carefully, you'll find yourself. So, watch then. God actually forms Adam from the dust of Adam and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So then the spirit man is now breathed into mammal. For Adam, this Adam was a mammal, a warm blooded animal. The height of animal life Now in that, so God merged a spirit image into a natural body, just like we have today. And God makes this man and he gives him dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, over everything that he had. And God also, of course, makes known to the man the Lamb's book of life. Now, God in the beginning had Adam and Eve stayed in their place, and at this place, of course, she was still in him. Her identity had not yet been separated. But God knew that what the woman would do once she separated her from Adam, as long as she was in Adam, she could never fall. But to further express his attributes, the fall was necessary. But he couldn't make them fall, and then save them and raise them up and be just so he could put them on a basis of what we identify as moral agency. Adam did not choose to become a son of God. He was made that. Amen. But he chose whether to continue to walk with God or not. He did not choose, well, do I wanna be a son of the devil or do I wanna be a son of God? That was not the choice that Adam made. It was to be in fellowship with God or listen to the lie of the enemy. Now, I wonder what happens then whenever people are born again. Now, when we come from here, let us skip over and we'll pick up in John chapter 3. And we find a educated, well-scholared, well-versed Hebrew. Which my knew the law, no doubt, and with great anticipation had waited for years and years for the kingdom of God to come to the earth. As a man which had a, a background uh, under the great teachers of the day, no doubt he had an opinion and a view of what the Messiah would be. So he hears of this guy from Nazareth and he follows him a little bit and he starts seeing the things that are transpiring and this man decides to make a visit to the Lord Jesus. His name is Nicodemus. He comes to the Lord and Jesus goes to setting forth the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't come right out and tell him where it would be like reading a newspaper, but he veiled it in scriptural terms. So he speaks these words to this man. You must be born again. Other man looks at him and said, born again? How can a man when he's old enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus still does not come real plain with it, but he says, "The wind blows where it will, and you don't know where it comes or where it goes. So is everyone that's born of the spirit." And you imagine said, "Thanks, that really helped me." That was really informative. Wow. Jesus never did actually break down the mystery of the new birth to this man. Did he? Show me. Well, when you come on over and Paul, the apostle, is able to catch by revelation and simplify much more of what God was wanting to achieve by the new birth. You know that God had after this man in Genesis one was breathed into the visible image in Genesis two. And further on, of course, in chapter three, the man falls. So there's a man in Genesis one, there's a man in Genesis two, and there's a prophetic man in Genesis three. Now that man in Genesis three was prophesied by God himself. Whenever he spoke, that there would be a serpent bruiser that would come and bruise the serpent's head. And he called him a him, not a woman, but a him. So the man of Genesis three is going to merge the man of Genesis one back into the man of Genesis two. Because whenever the man fell in Genesis three, then that spirit image which was breathed into him, the man of Genesis 1, left him. Now there again, it's hard for us to comprehend because we was not there, but Adam, after he sinned and, and fell, he had the same color hair, same color eyes. He didn't gain no weight. He didn't lose no weight. All of that, he looked exactly the same, but something left him, and what was it? It was that spirit image of Genesis 1, which could not fall. Now, there was something that God breathed into him. Now, you've heard me say it many times before, and other men as well, of course. But I'm not sure exactly what Adam did have in the Garden of Eden. But whatever he had, he lost. Whatever he had, he fell from. And what you and I have got, if we've got the Holy Ghost, you can't never fall from it. So whatever we've got, Brother Jack, actually takes us further back than Adam had, in that sense, in the Garden of Eden. And the church said? Amen. Now if you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 4, 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of your redemption. So according to Peter, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. So there is this token of security that puts the real believer so far back into Christ that they can never, never fall from that state in the presence of God. So apparently, the man of Genesis 3, which was the Lord Jesus, as we know him now, the fulfillment of the serpent bruiser, Emmanuel, and all of that, has actually been able to, through the power of negotiation, and reconciliation. He's been able to negotiate with whom? Himself. And bring his own blood and pay the price. Now remember Isaiah prophesied about him and said that he would bruise him. It would please the Spirit God to bruise him. And he would make his soul an offering. Now what a peculiar thing, a soul for an offering. I thought the blood was the offering. I thought that it was an animal life, not in the new covenant. It is not the blood of an animal that we're saved by. It is not by do's and don'ts. It is the soul of an innocent one that saved us. Why is God focusing on the soul? Now, what is the soul? Well, the soul is the nature of your spirit. So there was something then about Adam's soul that departed out of his body. Now, we know according to the names, names, 1962, the prophet said, whenever he breathed into Adam's nostrils, he became an eternal person with God. So God actually breathed into this animal body called Adam. He breathed into him a deposit, a great reflection of the eternal. How in the world did Adam ever die then at the age of 930 years old? unless there was something that left out of him when he fell from his place. All of us know of people that used to serve the Lord and used to go to church and used to be, you know, Christians as we'd call them, yet many of them today don't want anything to do with the Lord. They want nothing to do with church. Well, at one time, it seemed like they had something with God. Do we know people like that? They had something with God. They seemed to love to go to church. What happened to them? Well, they fell from whatever it was that they had but apparently, whatever they had would not keep them. Well, praise God. That's why I'll tell you one thing. It takes more than saying God sent a prophet to keep you. It takes more than saying, well, I believe in the cross. You can believe that and be lost. Well, I believe God so loved the world. That's well and good. But if you don't know him, not to know his word, not to quote the prophet. Well, the prophet said this. That's good. We do that. And we believe that. It's not knowing, Brother Branham, that gets you to heaven. It's knowing the Lord Jesus. It's not coming to this church. It's not coming to some other church. It's meeting him and the debt has been settled and he's actually taken your fallen nature upon him and he exchanged his nature for yours. Glory to God. He actually took your fallen nature and gave you part of his nature which was the nature of God. Oh my, help us Lord. Now notice then when this man fell, It put all of mankind, of course, in the Old Testament, that God would accept a substitutionary life and he would accept a lamb, which was the first one that we know, that God himself slayed the lamb, threw the skins in behind the bushes to his son and daughter and they come out veiled in that. But yet that could never take away where the sin actually lay because now they moved from a dispensation of innocence into a dispensation of conscience and now even though they would do wrong and ask God to forgive them, yet the conscience was still there to remind them you did this and you did this and you did this and through the all the Old Testament under the Levitical order and no matter how much they love God look at David what a display of a man that had an ungermatized seed of God's election inside of him to love God the way that man loved him it's definitely a deposit of election but he could never be born again he could feel the spirit of God oh he would get anointed and play his harp and write beautiful songs and psalms and so on and we still love him today, do we not? And he was really anointed, but the anointing would come on the outside of him and the anointing would inspire him, but the anointing never went inside of, of his nature and destroyed that nature and make David a new creature. So he could love God, he could sing, he could shout, he could prophesy of things that would come to pass and yet steal another man's wife and cause that man to be killed. Why? Because his love for God could never be quickened by eternal life. He had a seed and it laid there, but the Old Testament could never bring it to life. There was no lamb in the Old Testament that had a soul. Oh, glory! There was no lamb, because a spirit, we know animals have spirits, but they do not have a soul. But there was no lamb, there was no turtle dove, pigeon, ox, whatever it was, in the Old Testament that ever had a soul that could stand in substitutionary value for the soul of man. So, man's nature then inside of him and the law was constant don't do that and don't do that and don't do that. And they wanted not to do it. Many of them didn't want to do it, but there was no power in them to help them not to do it. And then God would let judgment fall upon them and God would punish them. And then that, oh God, we're so sorry. Please forgive us, Lord. We're so sorry. Please forgive us. And it wasn't no time. There's right back at it again. Why? Because there was this problem was a soul problem. It was a soul problem. In reality, every bit of our problems when it comes to this is a love problem from the soul a love problem from the soul. This is why folks that just accept Christ as their savior, put their name on a church book, they'll never be able to really be a a real, real sold out Christian, because the love of the nature of the world is still there. They've accepted him as their savior, but not as their Lord. Now, what's this in question answer? So what then does the new birth, what is it actually for? What good does it do? Well, the way that many have watered it down on the day that we're living and that it basically saves you and yet God leaves you in this sinful state that you really can't keep from sinning and nobody can live a perfect life and, and everybody, you know, everybody's so flawed and we are, we know that. But yet, if the new birth does not do something inside of our soul different from the Old Testament lamb, we might as well all just get a goat or a turtle dove or a pigeon and just offer that Uh, because if the blood of the Lord Jesus does not do something from within, then he's no more than another goat or a turtle dove or an ox of the Old Testament. Then why would God offer the soul of the Lamb of God unless the soul of the Lamb of God is going to come back and deposit part of his own nature inside of his own children? Hallelujah, oh my. Notice this in question and answers. If God made man in his own image, what kind of man did he make then? The question, a spirit man. In Genesis two, there was no man to till the soil. So here this man of Genesis 1:26 is already in creation and yet there's no man to till the soil. Well, why wasn't there? Because a spirit does not plow a garden. A spirit man does not go out there and pick fruits and and trim this and do this. No, he does not do that. So there was no man to be able to till the soil. So notice what he says there was no man to till the soil, and God made man out of the dust of the earth, not in his image, but in the image of animal life. Now, this is what we know so well today. Don't you love, hate yourself? Look, be honest, friends, we've got this love-hate relationship with ourselves we do and yet we know that it's you know it's that thing that's inside of us to protect ourselves to feed ourselves and so on there's something wrong with us if we do not do it but yet it's not the real us so here this man now comes into view and he said he was made not in the image of God this is not in the image of God but in the image of animal life and he put the spirit of man in this animal man so the man of Genesis 126 is now breathed or spoke into the man of Genesis 2-7. So this Adam, now what was his name before he was Adam? What was he? He got this name Adam after he took on the dust image Now, your name being Jeremy, your name being Jack, and yours being Keith's, and all you different names. But what is that? That's the name that was given to your dust body by your dust body parents. But more than likely, that won't be your real name in heaven. Right, you'll have a word name. Amen. Now, we call this man Adam because that's all we know him by. But that doesn't mean that's really his name in the book of life. His name might be something totally completely different. Remember the Lord Jesus according to the book of Revelation will receive a new name, is that right? And I will write on them my new name. So his new name is not the name. Now what is his name now? Jesus Christ which is what? The name of the dust body. Well, glory to God. Donnie Reagan, Jim Brown, Fred Smith, whatever it is, that's the name of your dust body. But yet there is another name by which you will be called at that day. Notice he said he put the spirit of man inside this animal man here, and he became a living soul. So when this spiritual part went inside of this natural part, then it makes the man different. So the man stands there with his toes, the prophet likened the question and and he said he stood there like a, a tree, and his toes were like roots in the ground, and he's standing there, but he's not moving, he's not breathing, there's nothing going on, he's just a, a, an animal, a corpse, as we'd say, standing there, and then God comes and breathes, not just any spirit, not just any attribute, but the attribute which he had made for this body. I hope you understand that when you took the breath of life, the same almighty God breathed the seed of life inside of you. It was not your mama's seed or your daddy's seed or somebody else's seed. It was you. It was to be you before the foundation of the world. Now he put the spirit of man in this animal man here and he become a living soul. Now that's the difference between a man and the animal. The animal don't build automobiles. He doesn't do things like that to help his living and so forth like that. He's an animal, dumb brute. He hasn't got a soul. Now you look at the birds today in the way, you know, now we're going into the fall and they won't be making it, but it won't be too long. Spring will roll back around again and you'll see the robins and the cardinals and the different ones and they'll start making their nests. And you know what? They're making their nest exactly the same way that they did when Adam was in the Garden of Eden. Isn't it amazing that you don't find any robins standing in line at Home Depot or Lowe's and they're checking out some little mini tube 4s and little mini guns and you know they got little mini shingles and and little mini hammers and they're in there and they're just you know getting all their why y'all doing little birds we're fixing to build a nest well I thought you you no 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 we we're, were updated we're updated we we build little shingles and we got little flushing toilets in our house and little little tiny faucets and stuff and everything we've got hair dryers and no that they do exactly the same way. They did years ago. Look at the cattle as we enter into wintertime and, winter and the horses and they'll, they'll stand right out and you're freezing to death. You've got on, oh my, all kinds of warm clothes and them cattle stand right there and say, how in the world do they do it? They wear the same coat that their grandparents and grandparents and grandparents did after the fall from the Garden of Eden. And you build them a barn and they ain't got enough sense to get in it and sometimes they'll walk in and walk out. Is that right? Why? They don't have a soul. So you never see them out building a barn, putting a heat pump in the barn and doing all that. They don't have a soul. But look at man. He keeps progressing more and more and more. Man, through electronics, through science, through space, through all that he's doing, it'll be unbelievable when you think about it. If time will tear another 20 years, what man will be able to do? But you see, by doing this, man then comes to the spot to where he becomes the god of his own existence because he can look around he can see the dog the cat the cow the horse the giraffe whatever more and they don't do any more than what they've done for thousands of years but man keeps getting higher and higher and higher and higher so he becomes to the spot to where he does not need god anymore in his life If he needs new medicine, he makes it. If he needs bigger hospitals and more machines to do greater scans, he just keeps on through scientific research and he finds it and he provides everything he thinks that he needs. But he can't minister to his own soul. So then what was God's purpose when the Lord Jesus introduced this strange doctrine that would be later known to us and down through 2,000 years of church ages called the new birth or being born again? What was the plan and purpose of God in order to bring the new birth? So what is the new birth? Well, it's something that happens supernaturally. We know it's not natural. It cannot be. Although the natural elements are instruments by which God will use, and we hear the gospel. We sit and hear a preacher preach, and something moves on our heart. Or uh, Maybe you pass a church sign, and something strikes your heart with conviction, and you see that, and then all of a sudden, you feel like you need to ask God to forgive you. You need to... God uses that human instrumentality, but yet the work, if it's true, is a work from within. So it's something that supernaturally comes from heaven, projected down to create an atmosphere around you, and then it pulls you inside that atmosphere. Notice this, and now notice all things, 1952. When the worshiper is purged is when he is born again. When his old nature dies and a new nature sets in. So then when we are born, we Receive this old nature. It's a sinful nature. It was our first husband that had the rule over us. Now every one of us got it whenever we were born. That's why our children, as we dedicated those beautiful little babies a while ago, but yet if time will tarry and the Lord will will hold off his coming for a few years, they will have to give their heart to the Lord Jesus. Is that right? A person could be raised in the church, dedicated to God, raised in the church, never do any things like many worldly children would do. They've still got to be born again why they got a, a, an ill mean nature which is of the world Now, watch this. Then he becomes a part of God. So when the old nature dies and a new nature sets in, well, how does it set? How does it get there? What causes it? When is the moment of this transformation? Then he becomes a part of God, a son of God. He gets new life. And the life is, the Greek word there, zoe, which means the life of God. And you become an offspring of God. So you see what God wants to do in the new birth is exactly the same thing to you that he did in a similar fashion to Adam in the Garden of Eden thousands of years ago. And that was breathe your spiritual identity into this animal life body. This is why that we cannot do it on our own. Well, I'm going to church. I'm gonna get saved today. I'm gonna, how can you do it? Did any of you decide that you wanted to become a mortal on the earth? Was it any of your all's choice that here you were, you were a little germ in your father's body and, and a part of you there inside of your father which was in your grandfather, which was in his father and did, did you decide as a little germ, I, I, I wanna get out of here. I don't like being here in the loins of my great, 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 great grandfather, but I want to be a man. I want to live on the earth as a man, or I want to be a woman. Why, of course not. You had no choice whatsoever, but down through the stream of time you came, and by the sovereignty of God, if there'd been another come out of there, another you know, mixture of the chromosome from the mother chromosome from the man, if it'd been another one, it would've been a girl. If it'd been another one, but you know what? God chose you to be born. Matter of fact, the it said the natural birth was a greater mystery to him than the, than the virgin birth was. So, but there was something who determined that you come. Well, I, I made up my mind. You didn't have a mind well I you was no I you was a gene in the loins of your father so who was it that decided that it was time for a a son or a daughter or another child to be added to the family mother and father talking about it you mean you were actually brought to this earth without a choice oh my goodness now y'all gonna get in trouble if you agree to this You mean you actually were born into this world without a choice? How many of you chose to be born into the earth? How many of you chose to be a human instead of a dog? None of you, wow. So you mean you were actually born a human by a will which was superior to your own? You're sitting there looking at me, nodding your head with your little mask on, and you're sitting there nodding your head that you did not choose to be here? That you did not choose the day you would be here? Did any of you choose your family? Would've been nice sometimes if we could have. (laughs) You can choose your friends, but you can't always choose your family, can you? So, we we did not choose the family we were born in, the time we were born in. We didn't even get to choose if we was a man or a woman, whatever we were, but that choice was made by someone else. Now, do you all mean to tell me you think it was just of your mother and father to bring a human into this age when there's so much sin and so much wickedness and it's just of them to put you here as a mortal? You're hung, you might as well say amen. (laughs) What if they could do that? And it wasn't that it was unjust, it was love. Oh, I see. So your father loved your mother and they decided after however long they'd been married, they wanted to have a child. And you were the product of that love then you come to this earth as a productivity of a man loving a woman, a woman loving a man, and then you're brought to the earth without your own choice, without your own consideration, and you think that's just. Could not the Almighty from back in eternity throw his seeds, as it were, down through time And said, there'll be a Moses, there'll be an Aaron, there'll be a Levi, there'll be a David, there'll be a Samuel, there'll be a Donnie, there'll be a Nathan, there'll be a Carol, there'll be this and that and the other. If your mother and father, if your mother and father could be able to do it, what about your father that loved you before your mother was ever born? Now what is this thing then of the new birth? Why is it so, oh my, was it so imperative? Why is it absolute, absolute necessity to get it? Then if it is, can't you see it will be one of the main things that Satan will try his best to confuse people on? If he can confuse them that they have the new birth when they really don't, or if he can try to convince them they don't when they really do, it will be one of the most terrific things that he confused people on and their entire journey as a mortal. Because if they think they've got it and they really don't have it, they will not go away in the rapture. If they don't think they have when they really do, they'll never be able to accept fully who they are because are always looking at their human mistakes and their human errors and say, oh, if I could only be born again. Oh, if I only had the Holy Ghost and yet it's sitting inside of your soul. It is you, oh hallelujah, it loves you, it sealed you. It is him that gives you the strength you need from day to day and you're wishing you had it. So the Greek word is zoe, which means the life of God. And you become an offspring of God. And God can't hurt you without hurting himself. Praise be to God. Watch this, the cruelty of sin. So the soul of man is the nature of the spirit. Now when you're reborn, you don't get a new spirit, you get a new nature of that spirit. It's the same spirit, but a new nature of it. You take two men, stand them together, both look alike, one of them a sinner, one of them a Christian. One man say, I got the spirit same as you have. See, but one of them is different, his soul, his nature's different. He's been changed. Oh, so you mean, Brother Donnie, that he quit drinking, he quit smoking? No, that's not what I'm talking about at all. A person could drink. They could drink so much every day. They could, they could smoke. They could take all kinds of pills. They could have 57 girlfriends. They could cuss. They could live the office terrible life ever was. And if they would make up their mind and they had the ability to quit all of those above mentioned things, they are still as lost as they were before. Because we do not find ourselves, he finds us. We do not change ourselves. We do not transform ourselves, amen. We kick into action once the transformation has started in the cycle of our soul. That's when we start doing things. That's when we start sanctifying ourselves. That's whenever something starts moving in us and our works become the expression of his face which has been born in us. But there ain't but one person that can cause the new birth. And that's the almighty. There ain't but one man in the earth, one man in the earth that could have caused me as a mortal to come to this earth. Because I was in the loins of Don Reagan. Him and my mama, Marion, 18, 19 years old, me being born and living in a little old shack right up next to Wendy. Y'all know where windy is? I ain't talking about Chicago. It's not windy City, but it's windy. There's one little store, and the road comes up like this and turns around that little store, and then you got a fork that goes this way and a fork that goes that way. And if you fork left right there and drive out that gravel road about a half a mile, that's where I was brought back after I was born. Our little old lean-to house sitting right down that gravel road. The cars would come by. Mama said the dust would come to in the house. Now, there's Purdue people that lived around there. There was chaplains. There was all kinds of other people. But I could not, glory, I could not be taken back to their house. Now, they had nicer houses than my mom and daddy. The folks down this way, the Bertrams, had a nice brick house. The Purdue's lived up this way and had a nice big two-story country style house. But I could not have been taken to their house and called a Bertram because I was a Reagan. Now as poor as I was, as underprivileged as I was, I'd still rather live with my mom and daddy. Because if I would have went into the Bertram house, there's always been something inside of me. You know how it is, folks that are adopted and they're adopted into a family even when they're young and there's something inside them, they wanna try to make the connection with their biological parents. Lord of God, hallelujah. Don't you understand when you were born into this world, you were taken to the Bertram house of sin or the produce house of sin, but there was something down inside of you that longed to know who your biological father was. There was something inside of you that wanted to know there's got to be more to going to just going to church. There's got to be more to God than just signing your name on a book. What was it? It was that little seed of God in side of you crying for identity (laughs) what's this God's provided way conversion is the Holy Spirit that moves the old nature out and the new nature comes in which is the Holy Ghost. (laughs) So you see, whenever you look at what so many folks believe the new birth is today, I accept Jesus as the Son of God. I accept him as my Savior. You're born again. And where did you get that at in the Bible? Did Peter and them on Acts chapter 2 When they went up to the upper room, do they sit there? We believe Jesus Christ, the son of God. We accept him as our savior. Their births come from heaven. Right? The pillar of fire divided himself in the upper room and their births come from heaven. Well, guess what? If you ever get it, yours will come from the same place. There ain't a preacher in the world. Oh, so and so is my favorite preacher. I don't care who it is, how favorite he is, he cannot be able to give you a new birth. No one can do that but God. Notice this, so conversion is the Holy Spirit that moves the old nature out, and the new nature comes in, which is the Holy Ghost. Again, the lamb and the dove. If you wanna be a Christian, just ask Christ, and he will take your old nature out and put a new nature in. Notice he's not saying smoking, he's not saying drinking, he's not saying running around or your wife or your husband. You see, you get rid of the sin problem, and the attributes of sin fall off. They just automatically die. Then you don't have to impersonate anything. It's just your normal life that you're living. a oh, friend, for those that are really born again, it's no harder for them to live a born again life than it is a sinner to live their life. As a matter of fact, to me it's much easier to live a Holy Ghost filled life than it is to live a sinner. You look out here at the sinners and what they're doing and their master don't love them. you never prove to me that the devil has love. He hates. That's right, he don't love his people. He's not going to take them to heaven. He cannot give them a new body. He cannot give them peace. He cannot give them joy. To me, it'd be much harder to live for him out there in the world than it is to live this kind of a life. Oh, Brother Donnie, don't you struggle? Don't you struggle to be a Christian? No. I never have struggled since I was a 12-year-old boy and I'm 64 years old. Oh, but boy, I just feel the pull of the world. Oh, my, my. Well, apparently I must have got a a real dose of something whenever I started. I never, oh, oh, I'm thinking about giving up. Oh, I'm thinking about giving up. Really? We're this close to the end of the way and you're thinking about giving up? My, you need to fall in love with the Lord Jesus because it's sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Notice, as long as you got malice, envy, strife, And all these things of the world, you mean to tell me malice is a worldly thing? Envy is a worldly thing? strife, people who love to argue, that is a worldly attribute. Well, praise the Lord. The Bible said if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God's not even in you. See, cause the life of God isn't in you. The life is in there, it just produces itself it just lives its way out can you imagine Adam getting up in the morning and saying wow man I'm struggling today it's so hard for me to be Adam wow I wish I was Bob I wish I was Fred I wish I was oh man it must have been wonderful being Adam well let me just go ahead and say that you think I'm crazy anyway I don't mind telling you. It's wonderful being the Holy Ghost filled Donnie. I right. tell you one thing, friends, I would not be want to be a carnal Donnie Reagan that didn't have the Holy Ghost. Ooh goodness, no. There's too much stuff on the Reagan side and on the Schott side my mother's side. No way what I want to live in this world and go like a lot of my family have gone uh-uh. But it is joy unspeakable and full of glory yeah. being Donnie Reagan filled with the Holy Ghost. How many knows what I'm talking about? It is peace that passes understanding when the world don't know what we're going to do. They're terrified about COVID. They're scared to death about how the president is going to do this and that and the other. They're scared about the... Economy. the... they're scared about this, and every day we're getting closer and closer and closer to our future home, oh, it's wonderful. Somebody ought to say amen with me. If you're really filled with the Holy Ghost today, you can say it's great to be filled with the Holy Ghost and be a Nathan Davis. It's great to be a son of God and be a J.D. Whitson. It's a privilege to be a Skip Walker and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd rather be that than anything else I know in this earth. Let me have a few more minutes, can I? Until this body has been redeemed, it's subject to sickness again. Exactly right now, it's got to die, it's got to perish. So did the soul have to perish. The thoughts. The soul is the nature of the spirit and those thoughts and so forth in you had to perish before the new man could be born into you to make you a new creature. <laughs> God ain't wanting to take your old nature and remodel it. He's wanting to kill it. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 6, part 2. Your old nature. Oh, brother Donnie, that scares me when you read them quotes. Oh, my. Scarecrows are for crows. But I know so so and so and so and so and so. I don't care what so and so does. Scarecrows shouldn't scare eagles. Don't you know why Satan uses scarecrows? To keep you and I away from a truth that lays in the word. Your old nature died. The nature of the world and you become a new creation. And your desires of that old life that had a beginning When God breathed the breath of life into your nostrils. When you took that breath of life as a baby, God breathed into you that natural life. You was born and your name was put on the book of life. And your record was quiet for years until you told your first lie. Maybe you and your little brother was playing with something you shouldn't have been playing with. And you knocked it off, and mama comes screaming and crying, Mama, it wasn't him. It wasn't me, it was him. I promise, I swear to God, Mama. Yeah, right. <laughs> and something in you then made you feel horrible. As a little child. You know what I'm saying? Notice this. Oh my. The life, that life of your carnal nature died. It had a beginning. And it had an end. Don't you see why folks are trying to preach the new birth? That God takes that nature that you was born with and saves it. And fills it with the Holy Ghost and transforms it. God does one thing with it. Kill it. And God takes that deposit of himself and quickens it with his own soul. (laughs) Glory to God. That's the part of you that can be said, you never done it in the first place. Notice this, that life of carnal nature died, it had a beginning and it had an end and it died and was done away with forever. That old nature, God came in with the new nature. Did you see why Satan would want to interrupt this program of God? He'd much rather offer people a church membership. Well, don't, don't, don't take that new birth stuff. Don't get that life of Jesus. That'll make you a little amateur God. That'll make you a deity in a human body. Don't get that. Just here, 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 here. Just take some tapes and stay home and play tapes and go to church every now and then and you know, just be a pretty good guy, you'll go to hell. You'll be lost. But this is what happens. God came in with the new nature. Then love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, peace. Boy, we must need to hear that twice, didn't we? Patience and meekness and kindness that entered and taken the place of malice and temper and hatred and emulation. Oh, you mean you can't have both of them? It took its place when you passed from death unto life. Let me read this and we'll close. There's people here perhaps in our audience that's never accepted this formula. But as far as receiving the Holy Spirit and being inoculated, a nature in there that takes the old nature out and puts the new nature in. They've never did that. I pray thee, Father, that tonight that they will receive it. Wow. So only Father can cause this to happen. Amen. If you come up the Pentecostal route the way myself and some of these others did, and you went up to the altar and they beat you on the back, Jesus, you. You got it. I'll tell you what I got, and it bit my tongue off because you're slamming the bottom of my jaws. You got it, you got it. But many of them spoke in tongues and didn't have it. Many of them joined the church and didn't have it. We've seen it in our own ranks many that come around us that didn't have it. Why? People can't give it to you. They can't beat it in you. They can't stomp it in you. They can't. They can't do that. There's only one person that can father God's children, and that is God. There's only one person that can breathe eternal life into us, and that is the Eternal Himself. Let's stand together. I got way too much here to look at. Can I read you one more? Notice what happens to you, then thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. They become a new creature. They're a new nature, they're they're a new being. A new creature there. The Greek word says new creation. He's quoting now from 2 Corinthians 5.17 if you'd like to read it. A new creation. You have been recreated again from what you were to the image of a son of God and a daughter of God. It's just such an awe. It's the greatest miracle that ever happened when a sinner can be made to become a Christian. Now remember who is saying these words. This is a man, this is the year 1961. This is a man who has seen the dead raised. This is a man who has seen God take Congressman Upshaw who had been crippled for years and years and make him walk. He'd seen Florence Nightingale which was only the skeleton of a person And see the dove come on the window and sit on the window seal. And God miraculously healed her. He had seen it in Arkansas. Eight days and nights on the platform. Thousands of miracles. He would seen it in South Africa when they led this African boy. And he was so out of his mind with a chain around his neck like a dog. And he seen the spirit of God after prayer raise him up to his feet and restore him in his right mind. He had seen some of the greatest miracles that human eyes had ever behold. And yet he says the greatest miracle is when you are born again. Isn't it amazing? Many of us that are born again and yet we think we don't see no miracles. (laughs) Every day you live in this earth And your birth holds itself. It's a sustaining, miraculous power of God. Let's bow our heads, if you would. Oh, Jesus. Maybe there's some here today under the sound of my voice, or some that have streamed this service today, or will stream it from different parts of the world. You love the Lord, and you go to church, or Maybe you're sick today and you can't go or... But you believe that God's word is right and true. As far as for you to say personally, that you have this, I'm not your judge, but you just look at your own heart, your own life. And if there's anything missing from that today, why don't you ask Father, Father, please come. Please come. I'm not standing outside of Eden's gates, as it were, 4,000 years ago. But I'm standing here in Happy Valley today. I need you to pass my way and breathe into me, Lord God, your life. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken. If time would go on, one day we will return. But we're so thankful, Heavenly Father, that our man of Genesis 1, when the man of Genesis 2, if we would relate it to us as well. How many have I buried, Lord, the years that I've been here, over 30 years now? How many of their bodies are laying over here at the cemetery? Blountville, Kingsport, Sullivan County, Jonesboro. But yet, Lord God, when the life left their body, that real spirit being that was inside of them in a moment was carried over to the other side and entered into a theophany body with the hope that their dust body will be raised again. Except this time, it won't be animal life. It'll be Zoe life in the human body. Lord God, if there's one here today or one who will hear this service, they've never met you that way, Lord. I pray you would help them. Father, we don't want to be religious. We want to be born again. Lord, we could be called by all kinds of names. We could call our church name, all sorts of things. We could belong to a denomination or organization. Or we could be known as followers of the message. That's no more than just another term if we don't know you. So, Lord, we want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we pass from death unto life. That we're not having to make ourselves live this life. That it's you. Paul told the saints of his day that he desired to labor on them until Christ would be formed in them. So we know the further revealing of this word is Christ actually is the new man of our soul. The new man versus the old man. Oh, Jesus, I worship you today. I thank you, Father, for my own personal miracle. God, you've allowed me to lay my hands on many, many folks. I've seen folks heal with cancer. I've seen cross-eyed straightened out, Lord. I've seen so many wonderful things that you've done. But Lord God, I thank you for my personal greatest miracle. It's changing me from a mixture of a Reagan and a Shote. And my first marriage that had the rule over me. And somehow you got that nature to reason together with you. And you killed it. And the miraculous new birth started forming in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I today am a... Miracle. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You've healed me so many times. Thank you for that. You've delivered me so many times. But I know if I live long enough, I'll get sick again. But once you liberated me from my first husband, and we talk about the husband dying, that's only half of the equation. Not only did that first husband die, but that person he's married to had to die together. The whole union was annulled. Not only did our first husband, which had the rule over us, die, but we died the death with him. Praise God. And we were recreated in the image of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you today, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands, friends, in the presence of the great King? Well, if this has happened to you today, you ought to be one of the happiest people that's alive on the face of the earth. Many people have gathered today in religious places, and they've said the rituals and the routines. Many Hindus have gathered, and many people of Islam, they will pray several times today and put down their prayer rug and their face toward Mecca and call upon a god who they call Allah, which does not even exist. The Shintus, many of the Taoists, many of the different religions of the world, they will get alone and meditate and try to think the problems away, think the seriousness of the state we're in away. But you and I couldn't think it away, talk it away, carry it away. There's only one person that could take it away, and that was our Father. Praise God. Thank you Lord Jesus. We worship you mighty God. Thank you for condescending so low Lord. That when you would come down to this earth. Not only become a human. But become sin. The snake on the pole. Angels. Would hide their face from you. Spirit God would hide. Man would curse and spit on you. You'd be so out of the economy of God. That it pleased the Father to bruise you. And lay on you the iniquity of us all. But Isaiah went on to say. After you have made your soul an offering you will see your seed. Look this way today, Lord Jesus. We're not all of it, but we're glad we're part of it. Look this way today, Lord God. Standing in this place are some of your seed. We're able to stand here today redeemed because your soul was not only offered, your soul Was accepted. Hallelujah. So you're able to go. Not only in place. Sacrificial blood and symbol. Upon the altar in Hebrews. As Paul so beautifully declared it. But your soul was accepted. For mine. Then I become born again. I receive a portion. Of you. Back in me. Glory to God. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come and just worship him a little bit now, saints, while we're in his presence. Think of it. Many of you that used to sit around with a cigarette between your fingers, a can of beer, a bottle, or whatever it was, pills, looking for happiness, searching for something. But Jesus got a hold of your life. Oh, he didn't eliminate all your problems. We know better than that. But he eliminated your biggest problem, which was a soul problem. Your problem wasn't drinking. Your problem wasn't smoking. It was a soul problem. God accepted a work of his own hands in the mediatorial aspect to offer a soul in place of ours. So that we could be born again. And he would come by where you was at, knelt down on an altar or out in a barnyard somewhere or wherever it was that he dealt with you. And you were born afresh and you (gasps) took the breath of eternal life, never to die again. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. How many appreciates that miracle of the new birth that's happened to you? Sing something Harry Lead us at worship. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, I'm sure you got plans today. You're going to have for lunch, and it's a nice day. You're going to do this and that and other. But can we just put a pause on them thoughts for a few moments? And think of where we're standing, Redeemed. As Gentiles, there was a place in the tabernacle that had your name on it. In Solomon's temple, when the second temple was rebuilt, Herod enlarged it, taking them 46 years to do it. There was a place written with your name on it. It was on the outside, and it said something like this. Upon pain of death, any Gentiles entering from this point on will be killed you had no right in the holy place you had no right in the holy of holies but upon pain of death he took it for us and said children don't stay out now come on in come in to the holy of holies now you can walk right up before the throne of God and raise your hands and say, "Abba, Father." Abba, Father. I'm redeemed. Can we just worship him a little before we go? Sing. So.
0: "Oh, I come to you for I know" you satisfy jesus i am empty but i know your love not run dry so i wait for you god so i wait
1: Souls, our spirits, our bodies, our hands, our eyes, our feet, our motives, our objectives, our intentions, our purposes, our desires. May we rededicate ourselves. How may we like to do that again today to the Lord? Many of you have been serving God for my decades. How many like just to rededicate yourself today to God? Hallelujah, Lord. Lord Jesus, we know we have to reevaluate and we have to prioritize things. We get so busy with life, not just seeing things, Lord, but just life. But today, Lord God, we want to just rededicate. Lord, as the second temple, Nebuchadnezzar had burned it, destroyed it, annihilated it, it laid in such devastation for years. Until something began to move on the hearts of the people to go back and rebuild. They rededicated again that day, and the scripture said many of the people wept. They wept and they cried because the glory of the first temple was so stupendous. So the ministry went among the people, and they said, Quit crying. It is a time of rejoicing. Here they were. They'd labored and done everything they could to bring the glory of God back among the people, but they were so sad. Father, may you help us as we deal with COVID and we deal with all kinds of things that's around us. Satan trying to steal our joy and our peace. May I be one of those small voices that'll scream out to your people. This Holy Ghost you have is joy unspeakable. It encourages in the time of COVID. It encourages in a time when the world is uncertain. When politics is uncertain. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. He said he would never leave you. Nor forsake you. Restore the joy of our salvation, Lord God. Hallelujah. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We bless your name, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We worship you, Lord. I mean, it's good to be a Christian. Good to be a part of the house of God. Amen. Amen. We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Turn around and just speak to somebody. You don't have to shake their hand if you don't want to. Tell them, may God bless you, brother, sister. May God's peace be upon you. Bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord.
2: Amen. Let's just sing this little chorus before we go this morning. Amen. How many enjoyed the word of the Lord this morning? it's already done hallelujah it's already victory